Last time on Licensed to Parent. There is no scientific way to diagnose anyone, any infant, child, or adult as transgender precisely because people don't have gender. (laughs) Grammar has gender. Nouns have gender. People have sex. That's Dr. Michelle Cretella talking about the truth about transgender kids. Today's kids are growing up in a society where people of greater cultural influence are redefining certain terms that used to be mutually understood and accepted in order to make them fit their own personal proclivities. Nowadays, gender fluidity is a greater reality than the time-tested and scientifically supported fact that we know as the gender binary. Today, we'll pick up where we left off last time with Dr. Cretella as we attempt to bring some sanity back into this conversation, a conversation that too often never happens. That's today on Licensed to Parent. Well, hello and welcome to Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherds Hill Academy, a year-long residential program for teens in crisis located just north of Atlanta, Georgia. Our host is the founder and director of Shepherds Hill, Trace Embry. I'm Rich Rosal, and Trace, let me take a moment to introduce our guest uh, to those who may not have been with us last time. And incidentally, let me also let you know that that program and all past programs can be found on our website at LicensedToParent.org. Dr. Michelle Cretella is Executive Director of the American College of Pediatricians. She's become one of the college's chief researchers, writers, and spokespersons on issues of pediatric mental and sexual health. Her article, Gender Dysphoria in Children and Suppression of Debate, was published back in 2016 in the summer issue of the Journal of American Physicians and Surgeons. Uh, Dr. Cretella serves on numerous national medical committees, and yes, she is a parent herself. She and her husband have three sons and a daughter. And Trace, in our last program, you had asked Dr. Cretella if she thought that the LGBT issues, particularly transgender issues, were pertinent to Christian families, since after all, Christian families probably don't deal with this stuff, right? Yeah, well, no, Christians can and do deal with these issues. Uh, but many parents don't realize that you don't have to have a kid in your home struggling with gender issues to be affected by what's going on with perfect strangers outside your home these days. Uh, besides, the Internet has effectively brought these same strangers inside. Uh, anyway, so having our, our, our girls using restrooms next to boys or uh, changing in the same locker room as boys who think they're girls is certainly a very real possibility also these days. Uh, but there's so much more I want to talk about, and so let's get started. Well, Michelle, thank you for sticking around and joining us again. We're glad to have you back on Licensed to Parent. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here. Well, Michelle, let me start out by asking you, uh, what exactly is transgender ideology? Because it all seems so convoluted and counterintuitive. Right. So this transgender ideology basically claims that sex and gender are not synonyms. The ideology claims that people have two separate things, that we have a biological sex and that we have this internal gender identity. Mm-hmm. And this gender identity may not match our biological sex. So that's, that's the ideological claim. And the reason it's ideology is because there's absolutely no science to back this up. Well, without, without that premise, 
do they have a leg to stand on? And yeah. how did we buy into this? How did we all, the whole country, uh, virtually buy into this premise? So to answer the first question, no. If we as a culture still accepted, all of us, 100%, accepted that gender and sex both mean male or female, and they're synonyms, we wouldn't have an issue. That mm-hmm. Every cultural revolution begins with a revolution of language. Agreed. And it's never a rapid change. You know, to some of us now, it might feel like this transgender thing came out of the blue, but in, in fact, the changing and the manipulation of the language began in the 1950s. Mm-hmm. There were two pedophiles, uh, Dr. Harry Benjamin and Dr. John Money, and they were very much involved with, uh, at that time, men who wanted to be women or thought they were women, and it was called transsexualism. So doctors Benjamin and Money got the idea that they would tell the medical community that they were treating these men's gender identities. They, they literally just made it up out of thin air. Mm-hmm. That new meaning didn't really seep into the greater culture until it was picked up and massaged by um, feminists who said, well, gender is, you know, the social expression of sex stereotypes. Um, And then we also had queer theorists who took gender and said, oh, well, uh, it also means various sexual attractions. So the sexual revolutionaries of the 1960s who then went into higher education and and college campuses, Mm -hmm. and you developed this entire language that ultimately was used by transsexual adults themselves to argue that they were born this way and sort of ride on the coattails of the LGB civil rights movement. Mm -hmm. Michelle, why do uh, most medical and psychological associations embrace transgenderism as normal and and factual? Well, a couple reasons. The medical and psychological associations are basically the equivalent of trade unions, (laughs) if you will. They're just professional guilds. So they are run by a small handful of physicians or psychiatrists, therapists. And although they're supposed to have, you know, voting their entire membership, the policies of these associations are literally made by a handful. So, for example, the American Academy of Pediatrics, which boasts a membership of 67,000 pediatricians, well, their pro-transgender policy was written and passed by 36 pediatricians. I still find um, it hard to yet, believe that 36 could agree on this. <laughs> yeah, really. Well, when you look at the backgrounds of the 36 who actually produced the policy. All of them are LGBT activists. Mm -hmm. Some of them have gay relatives. They may be gay themselves. Some of the experts, Dr. Joanna Olson-Kennedy, she's the leading pediatrician pushing uh, puberty blockers and hormones and even double mastectomies on Mm -hmm. girls as young as age 13. She is this physician, Dr. Joanna Olson-Kennedy, is married, quote-unquote married, to a psychotherapist who is a trans man, meaning these are two women in a lesbian union, Mm -hmm. but the other individual identifies as a man, has had a mastectomy herself, and is on 
testosterone. So why do these organizations all get on board? Number one, because there's a very small number of tainted, if you will, tainted physicians and therapists who are in control. Yeah. And then for the members who disagree, there really isn't any recourse. Um, they're simply ignored. And that, that, in fact, is the main reason that the American College of Pediatricians formed in 2002. Well, w- once the momentum's going in this direction of insanity, it's really hard to get it turned around. Do you see this turning around uh, now that we have you know, digital technology in the equation any faster than some of the, the other injustices that have been perpetrated upon our, our citizenry in years past? I would say no, unfortunately. This is going to take really unmasked civil disobedience. Um, I agree. And what I mean by that, many families think, oh, transgender, it's not going to impact me. Well, as a matter of fact, yes, it will. I mean, one mom in, uh, I forget which town in Georgia, right, in Georgia. Decatur, I think it was. Kissed her little girl, you know, goodbye for the morning, sent her off to kindergarten. And that little girl, that kindergartner, five years old, was sexually assaulted in the girls' room by a five-year-old boy who identifies as, quote-unquote, non-binary. The schools never informed, and this is the thing, the schools do not inform any of the parents that there is a boy who identifies as a girl and who will be allowed to use the girls' bathroom. Parents are left in the dark entirely. What kind of legal Um, liability does the school have on their part uh, or the parents of this five-year-old boy? I mean, can this family of the girl come back on them for something like that? The the girl, the little girl's mother is being represented by Alliance Defending Freedom and is suing the school. The school has made her out to be the culprit. Sure. Well, that's how it always goes. And the reason it's this bad is because while Obama was president, he issued a uh, quote-unquote guidance to the Department of Education of the whole nation, you know, the Federal Department of Education. Title IX is supposed to prevent discrimination based on sex. Obama claimed it also prevents discrimination based on gender identity, and therefore you basically, he told the schools, you all have to have a transgender policy that allows kids to identify as something other than their sex, to take part in wherever and whatever yeah. they want to. Well, the law is only as good as it's interpreted, and uh, this is a guy who would have been against uh, gay marriage his first term, uh, and as the cultural momentum kind of right. clouded his judgment, and uh, he wanted that second election, uh, he, he flip-flopped, and here's, here's where yeah. we are today. I want to jump in real quickly because we need to take a break on behalf of yeah. our stations, but also when we come back... I want us to talk about um, what the effect all these decisions, uh, what what effect these decisions are going to have on our kids. Because it's one thing for adults to make the decision that they're men identifying as women, women identifying as goldfish, whatever the case may be. But we're talking about what's going on with our kids. And, I mean, I'm even astonished that a five-year-old boy would even be able to understand about sexual assault or, you know, how that could even come to be, much less the, you know, where does a five-year-old get the idea of, oh, I'm identifying as, you know, gender neutral or whatever the case may be. We'll talk about that when we come back. We're talking with Dr. Michelle Cretella. She's the executive director of the American College of Pediatricians. 
and uh, a specialist in pediatric mental and sexual health issues. Uh, we will be talking more about this issue, I'm sure, for years to come. But uh, for now, we're going to try to get our heads wrapped around what it is and what it's doing to our kids. You're listening to Licensed to Parent. You'll find us online at LicensedToParent.org. Everywhere we go, we're surrounded by screens. Have we entered into a techno-utopia or a virtual prison? Prison. prison? Is our social experience richer and deeper or more shallow and artificial? Discover insightful answers to these questions in the documentary DVD, Captivated, Finding Freedom in a Media Captive Culture. You'll learn from media experts, church leaders, and inspiring individuals and families from across the country, including Trace Embry and students from Shepherds Hill Academy. Most importantly, you'll discover how God's Word addresses the unique media challenges we face today. Captivated, finding freedom in a media captive culture. Available in the store at LicensedToParent.org. Proceeds benefit the Shepherds Hill Academy Scholarship Fund. Teen rebellion, depression, addiction, rage, cutting, and suicide are destroying our families today. But there is a way out. Shepherds Hill Academy offers a 12-month Christ-centered nonprofit residential program where kids are being transformed with a biblical worldview and often medication-free. Christian apologist Ravi Zacharias is just one of many Christian leaders who understands what's happening at Shepherd's Hill Academy. It really is such an honor to come alongside Shepherd's Hill Ministries and Licensed to Parent to rescue those who have been seduced along the way. Uh, I cannot gainsay how important this is, and to get behind a ministry like this, one will find the rewards to be extremely powerful in changing society. Get the help you need at Shepherd's Hill Academy. Go to helpmytroubledteen.org, helpmytroubledteen.org. You're listening to Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherd's Hill Academy, a year-long Christ-centered residential program working with teens in crisis. And today on the program, we are tackling a tough topic, which we've uh, spoken about before. In fact, just last time, we began this conversation with our guest today, Dr. Michelle Critella. She's the executive director of the American College of Pediatricians and uh, a specialist in pediatric mental and sexual health. And, Michelle, we've been talking about the issues of transgenderism and the harm they have on our kids. And and I really want to get into this part now because when we've got this mindset in American culture that transgenderism and gender identity issues and all this stuff are okay, the norm, and even appropriate— What's the effect of that going to be on our kids when they're told, oh, hey, it's okay if you're a boy, pretend you're a girl. If you're a girl, pretend you're a boy. Right. What's the outcome of this? Right. We're, we're already seeing the outcome. The outcome is that across the age span, from as young as preschool all the way through high school, the number of kids who are confused and, and claiming that they're transgender, those numbers are skyrocketing. And this is happening all around the world. Who would ever think, how, how 
could a five-year-old little girl be sexually assaulted by another five-year-old? Unfortunately, we are living in a culture now in which pornography is pervasive. And we're giving cell phones to two-year-olds, right? I mean, what do parents do when they want to distract their kid? They hand the cell phone over. And children as young as certainly ages 6 to 10 are being exposed to pornography accidentally initially. I've seen a study where 11-year-olds are being identified who are addicted to pornography. Mm-hmm. So that certainly has a huge impact. Pertaining to transgenderism itself, there are innumerable books geared for every age, beginning with picture books in preschool, to normalize yeah. so-called gender fluidity. Mm-hmm. What's and and the, the problem is children under age 7 don't understand that sex is genetic. They don't understand that sex is permanent. So if you have a, a preschooler between preschool and age 7, you're teaching kids that, hey, you might be trapped in the wrong body. You're... <laughs> That's psychological abuse. Yeah, you're you're it, interfering with their is. normal learning process. And this is happening. I've gotten calls from parents around the country saying that their little kids in kindergarten, first grade, some of them are coming home totally confused. And in other cases, one little girl, for example, just burst into tears telling her mom, I don't want to be a little boy. I don't want, am I going to turn into a boy someday? Mm-hmm. This is very damaging yeah. to our kids. And so... For parents, I tell them, you know, you really need to be proactive. You cannot assume that your school is safe, even if it is a Catholic school or a Christian school. That's right. Um, you cannot assume. You need to have these conversations with your children's teachers. Amen. And it's not happening in health class alone. It's being integrated into the entire curriculum. In, in light of the fact that the statistics show that somewhere between 80 and 90, maybe 95% of kids who are just basically forced to endure uh, adolescence come out of this. Uh, Why are so many parents ignoring that, uh, doctors ignoring that, uh, mental health professionals ignoring that, uh, and giving them puberty blockers? And then what are the side effects of giving children puberty blockers and cross-sex hormones? Sure. From the medical and psychological professional standpoint, It is truly, it's just a coup of propaganda and negative repercussions. That is why people are complying or they simply, they're afraid to deal with it, so they'll refer the family to a quote-unquote gender clinic. The physicians and therapists employed by the gender clinic have, have bought the agenda hook, line, and sinker. I hear from a number of parents who don't want to accept it, And some of them are being reported to Child Protective Services because the parents want to refuse the puberty blockers and hormones. It should be the other way around. The doctors should be reported to Child Protective Services. That, I think, is the biggest reason is that those in power, they're pushing it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they've, they've bought the agenda, hook, line, and sinker, or they have their own personal reasons. I mean, unfortunately, Big Pharma benefits financially from this, as do, you know, certain physicians. Well, well, sure. That also contributes. The other thing that's interesting is Planned Parenthood has also gotten into it. Every single Planned Parenthood around the nation will provide puberty blockers 
and hormones to kids claiming they're transgender. Wow. At, um, at what age are they allowed to do this without having to have parental involvement? For the most part, parental consent is still required. One exception that I know of is the state of Oregon will allow 15-year-olds to simply go through their schools to get hormones and or referrals for surgeries or whatnot. And I say for the most part because if a child reports to any public school staff member that they believe they're transgender, those public schools, and this is most of them throughout the country, will not tell the parents. And that's legal, right? That's being treated as legal. So some parents have learned through a grapevine that their daughter or their son is being treated as the opposite sex at school by classmates, teachers, etc. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I did hear from one mother from a New England state who I believe her daughter was 12. So when this mom found out and got no satisfaction from the school, she actually pulled her daughter out of that private school and enrolled her elsewhere, had to lose some money, but she said within two months at the different school, which did not have an open pro-transgender agenda, so within two months her daughter was back to fully identifying as a girl. Well, there are a lot of educated fools out there with blood on their hands, that's all I can say. One challenge that I'm hearing through this, too, is, of course, let's say you... You consider this idea that you may be the you right. know trapped trapped in the wrong body or whatever, and you start on these hormonal treatments. Those hormones themselves are going to mess with your brain, yeah, and, and they're going to so, further this uh, this whole thought process. The momentum in that direction, exactly. It, it'll make it more difficult to go back to your biological, your actual sex. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that's common sense, and it's also reality. Um, the, the problem with, with puberty blockers is that they're not FDA approved to be given to normal children. Are they breaking the law by giving them the, uh, these things then? So the FDA approves puberty blockers only for children who have puberty that comes on too soon. That makes sense, right? There is a disease yeah. called precocious puberty. So let's say you have a little girl who is going through puberty at age five. Um, well, right, wait a you'd, you'd want That's to slow way that off down. Base. That's not normal. So give her the puberty blocker so that she will, long enough to get her to, let's say, age 10, you know, for an example, and then, okay, take her off the blocker. Now her body's going to start puberty at a typical age. But it's not, the blockers are not approved for kids who are biologically healthy. Michelle, we are almost out of time here, so we need to address what to do about this if it's an issue that comes into our own homes. What are some ways that we as parents or that professionals can treat or deal with transgender uh, belief in children and teens? In the young children, as much as you can be with your child and affirm them as the girl or boy they are. So in other words, if it's a girl who just really loves rough and tumble play, for example, she's a typical tomboy, 
reinforcing to her, you know, this is wonderful. That does You're just you're a girl who loves these things. You right. could, that is fine. There's nothing wrong with it. And similarly, you know, a boy who may not be as good at sports and maybe more into writing or drawing or you know whatnot. Whatever you can do to nurture your child's unique talents and reaffirm them as the boy or girl they actually are, that's going to be helpful. And especially nurturing the relationship between with the parent of the same sex is very important for the young child. It's important for the teenagers, too. But when you get to the teenagers, now you're dealing most often with kids who have diagnose themselves based on the internet and they have gotten involved yeah, in chat exactly. rooms and all kinds and it can be a nightmare. So with the teenagers, parents probably have to listen first and your goal is to maintain connection with your child and hopefully yeah. slow the process down. And uh, if they contact the American College of Pediatricians, acpeds.org, and ask us for parent resources, we can try and tailor specific recommendations to their situation. Awesome. Um, But basically, regardless of the age, we encourage parents to interview therapists in the area to find out which ones have not drunk the Kool-Aid, so to speak. Because there, there are many therapists who know this is not good for kids, and they will be able to talk to the kids and the family in a way that will not send them down the hormone Amen. route. Right. Amen. Let me just t- tell parents right now, I'm a member of a, of, a, of a large mental health organization, okay? And I've got people that come up to me all the time who will never speak in public about my position and Shepherd Hill Academy's position on this issue, but will grab me in the hall and say, you have no idea how many people are on your side but are afraid to say anything. Exactly right. Well, we need to bring this conversation to a close, at least for now. Michelle, I'm sure we'll have you back many more times in the future. Uh, We've been talking today with Dr. Michelle Critella, the Executive Director of the American College of Pediatricians. She is a general pediatrician herself with a special interest in behavioral pediatrics, including issues of pediatric mental and sexual health. And uh, Michelle, let me (laughs) give these websites again. You've mentioned several, and uh, I believe the first was parentsofrogdkids.com. ROGD stands for Rapid Onset Gender Dysphoria. Again, parentsofrogdkids.com. Another one you mentioned was fourthwavenow.com. That's the numeral four, the letters T-H, wavenow.com. And then the last one that you mentioned, uh, the American College of uh, Pediatricians, that was acpds.org. Is that right? acpeds.org. Aha, an extra letter, acpeds.org. Well, Michelle, thank you so much. You're a wealth of knowledge, and we could stand to stay in your corner a little while longer, but unfortunately, our time's up. We appreciate your being a licensed parent today. It's always a pleasure to be on. Thanks for all your great hard work. And you'll find us online at licensedtoparent.org. There you can hear past programs on a variety of topics of interest to parents. You can also check out our blog and learn more about the work we do here at Shepherd's Hill Academy. Once again, Shepherd's Hill is a year-long residential program for teens in crisis and their families. 
While you're there, would you also consider becoming one of our ministry partners? Your financial support in any amount helps further the work that we do with troubled teens and also helps the outreach of licensed to parent to moms and dads working hard to keep their kids from becoming troubled teens. Your donations are tax deductible when you click on the donate button at the top of the page at licensedtoparent.org. Our guest coordinator on the program is Daniel Fazina. Our technical producer is Carl Peets. For Trey Sembry, I'm Rich Rosel. Thanks for listening, and please plan to be with us again next time to renew your License to Parent. And remember, folks, if you don't train your children, somebody else will. God bless you. See you next time.